Right, it is time for us to look at this week's documentary on Distant Pod. Ellis James, you are up to bat. I thought I am so capable of discussing Wales at the World Cup. It, it, we have plenty of listeners who aren't from Wales. I talked to, I think he's from Tlenetli, I talked to one of our Australian expat listeners in the hotel prior to the game, which is very exciting. I'm afraid I can't remember your name. But I thought, let's mix it up a bit and choose a different sport. So I found this on Netflix. It's a documentary about Kenyan running called Unknown Runner. Running. It is perhaps the oldest, most deeply human of sports. Man stands upright, man learns to walk, man runs. Today, long-distance running is a phenomenally popular sport, the marathon in particular. But isn't it strange that for such a popular sport, so little is known about the top athletes? Many of the world's best runners hail from Africa, but they seem to come out of nowhere. All that is about to change. My name is Geoffrey Kipsanga Moror. I'm 19 years old. I live in Keio in Kenya, and I would like to run marathon this year. Geoffrey's story is typical of many other Kenyan runners competing in major road races across the globe. They grow up, work hard, and try to make ends meet. A career in athletics offers these young talents an escape route, a chance to achieve greatness. And if they succeed, they will become role models for aspiring young athletes. From the dirt roads of Kaptagat in Kenya, I see people are dropping down now. We call it separating the, the tat and, <laughs> and the real wheat. To the prestigious Berlin Marathon. A story of struggle, sacrifice, and dedication. Experience Joffer's journey in the unknown runner. So Unknown Runner follows the story of Jeffrey uh, Kamoro, I think I'm pronouncing that properly, who is running the 2012 Berlin Marathon. He's a great runner. At the time, he's only 19. He's part of the sort of the Kenyan national setup. They've got very high hopes for him. He's, he's already, by that age, an excellent half-marathon runner. So he works as a pace setter. And... It just follows him where he lives. It goes back to the sort of the, the village where he grew up. They go back to his school and it shows him training with his mates. And the first thing, I mean, there's plenty to talk about in this, in this stock, but the, the thing that struck me most was bearing in mind that distance running must be such a huge part of Kenyan national pride and national identity. Because they've, they've produced so many amazing distance runners, you know, over the, over the years. Everyone involved in that distance running programme seem to have such a healthy attitude towards it. And they're all saying stuff yeah. like, well, running's fun, isn't it? And everyone can run. And when you're a baby, you learn to walk and then you need to learn to run. Well, the, the, his old coach and teacher said, I got, he's got the same legs you've got. He's got the same lungs yeah, yeah. and chest. Like he's got it. the same heart yeah. you've got. It's just mm. he trains a lot and so he's a brilliant runner, but it's open to all. And even though he, you know, he, it's his first marathon, he ends up, finishing third in a time of two hours, six minutes, which bearing in mind he'd never run the distance before. <laughs> just, just... It's insane. It's crazy. And I think as well you get quite a good insight into just bearing in mind the distances they run. I think, I don't think this really comes across on the telly very often because when I first started watching the London Marathon, which would have been my introduction to marathon running. Yeah. As a you know, kid or a teenager, I assumed that they were jogging. 
but they well, were yeah. jogging a little bit faster than everyone who's normal. And actually, yes. they're running at an incredible pace for twenty over 26 miles. Yeah. And I think you get a feel for that because it shows them doing a lot of sprint work and a lot of endurance work, a lot of strength work. I also hadn't realised how technical marathon running is. Like they have the meeting in the hotel on the day before the game where they're talking about the water stations and how he's going to set the pace. I hadn't realised as well, if when you are setting the pace on behalf of like a teammate who's, who's trying to win the race or trying to set a record, a bit like cycling. I This hadn't occurred to me in the way that when you're at the front of the peloton, it's a wind resistance thing. You're allowing yes. the, the cyclist behind you who's actually trying to win the race to conserve energy because you he will be or he or she will be cycling in your slipstream. Yeah. And it's the same with marathon running. So the, the way they were talking about the conditions, I was quite, I've never run a marathon. I was quite naive as to how much prep had gone into it at that level. So I enjoyed that. I just love watching him run around Kenya as well in training. He's such a likely yes. bloke. He's only 19. As a doc, though, there were loads of bits I thought were going to be could be expanded on. Yeah, yeah. I thought as an, as a documentary, I thought it was weak. Yes, okay. I agree with that. I think it was too slow. I think it didn't really have, know what it was doing. I think they were just it seemed thrown together in parts. Didn't really know what the focus was on. It's stylistically a couple of different things as well. It is a complete yeah. I mean, as a as a sort of National Geographic expose of that country there's some beautiful parts of it there's some, some beautiful shots yeah but there seems to be no real rhyme or reason to it but there's some beautiful shots the bit i found like when i watch docs this is why people who don't like sport like this podcast okay i really want to know about the people that are competing or, and you know i don't like rock climbing but i can watch a documentary about it if i understand if i if i get inside that person we, we what drives and what makes them tick and there wasn't enough of that when i first started the, when i the first bit of the doc that I found fascinating, mm. they didn't do anywhere near enough of. What was that? Was when they set that camp up, and I thought, you're doing something you love to do. You're in a poor country. Mm. So you get together, you know, one fella's preparing the vegetables, one's doing the meat, you, you do the dishes on a rotor, yes, one's yes. washing the kit, one's hanging the kit out. Yes. I love that community. I love the... F- I watch, I thought, Christ, I'd love to be there, because that's boiled, that's boiled that person's life down to what do you love to do and what are you good at? Yeah. Let's just do that with like-minded people. And we're all in this together. So that bit of it, I loved. But for an hour and 10 doc, it went on and on. Like, uh, yeah, it was yeah. the, It's the first doc I've watched in a long time where I stopped it and thought, Christ, how long's left? It was, yes, it was, it's it's not even a long doc. It's an hour and 10. And I stopped it. It was like 38 minutes gone. I thought, oh, this can't be 38 minutes. Because it doesn't know what it's trying to do. Like, there's the bit at the end. When they put that really thumping music on in the, in the marathon, I thought, you can't just, you can't just engineer excitement now. You've got to build or something, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's no reflection on the people in it. it seemed seemed interesting people. Yeah. And this, this, and here's a point which, please don't take this the wrong way. Okay. They all speak one more language than I do, which is impressive, right? Yes. But some of those Kenyan accents were so strong when they're speaking English that I was really struggling to understand what they were saying. Not so much Jeffrey. I could get him. I was, yeah. That was easy. But was yeah. some of the older fellas particularly, right? I had subtitles on for all of it. Yeah, I had subtitles on as well. Yeah, I should have done that. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't do I put, the subtitles. I put the subtitles on for done. the whole thing. I watch all uh, telly with subtitles. Do you? Yeah, yeah. I should have done that. That would have been much easier yeah. to watch. Yeah, yeah. I started doing it when I deaf. I couldn't understand the accents in the wire. Oh, okay. And yeah. It really, oh, yeah. It really yeah. helped. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Having subtitles, and since then I've. Well, that's a good I point. I always actually. do it now. 
Yeah. So I think I probably to, understood. Back to drug deal. I think. <laughs> I think I probably understood slightly more than Mike did for that reason because I never struggled to understand him. But all that notwithstanding, there were just bits they focused on. I thought I don't need to see that. I don't. I don't need to see you put all the water bottles in a bath. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, yeah. I there's, thought that bit was strange. Yeah, I agree. There's lots uh, of weird also, shots. There, I thought. if that's how they're cleaning the water bottles, I've got some issues. Me too. That's yeah. exactly what yeah, I mean. A lot of strep throat going on. <laughs> I, I, I don't think that a hotel bath, yeah. the night before elite athletes are using those drinks bottles. I couldn't be what the they were doing. Forward. No. I, I couldn't work. What are they I doing? He was, was it hot enough that they were disinfecting I them? I thought he was trying to keep them cold. And then you realise I think he was cleaning them, and that's just I think he was washing them. Do. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that was the right. He didn't use any detergent. It, it was yeah. I love looking at because you you realise you realise it's one of those ones you watch again. You you have to step back sometimes and realise how lucky you are with everything. You yeah. Have, right? Because it was just little things like crossing the street when there's heavy rain, and and you're up to your you know there's there's no drainage. They're showing that bit where the the water's just jetting out of the. Mm. I, I never think of Africa because this is growing up watching British TV and the news as being this green place with loads of rain. Yes, and they must get you know when, when it dumps rain there, fucking dumps rain. So there's the bits where they're running through the sort of cliffs, those lush, like almost like a sort of like a jungle sort of look to it. Mm. Beautiful looking place, right? Mm. Gorgeous looking countryside. The fellas themselves seem interesting blokes who've got stories and and. and I wanted I wanted to hear about their struggle. I wanted yeah, to see me too, yeah. like that school teacher. I wanted to hear more about. I wanted to hear more from him. I wanted to hear more about the people in the village. I wanted to hear the, what the youngsters had to say about it. I wanted. I wanted to hear more from. I didn't really give a monkey's about the Belgian fella or the Dutch coach. I wasn't. No, I that they seem to concentrate on the Belgian fella and the Dutch coach as if that was the interesting bit. When they turned up at Berlin, yeah. Why are we watching that? Bloke who's like one of the most boring men I've ever seen in my oh, life. Oh, the young guy who was telling him where to where oh. to be. Yeah, yeah. And you think, well, you're... you're... And talk to him like he's a kid. I thought, yeah, mate, he's a really good runner. I don't want to see he'll, you. I want to see him. He'll nail this. Yeah. You probably don't need to tell him where to be. Yeah. He'll, pr- he'll probably be all right. <laughs> he knows he's got to have breakfast at 6 a.m. for a 9 o'clock race. He's been... Yeah, he'll, he'll be on he's it. He's one of the country's top distance runners. Exactly. You know, you're running at nine, so we want to eat around six o'clock. Oh, yeah. right. Oh, I've never, I've never thought okay. of that. I was okay. a big I was, was going to roll out a ten too. What should I have? Sort of like Coca Pops and a can of lager? No, no, no. It's not a ten k. Coco Pops and a can of lager. <laughs> Please, barkeep. <laughs> this is a paid advert from BetterHelp Therapy Online. Now we all carry around lots of different sort of stress moments, whether it's like big or small. It could be as huge as, how am I going to pay the mortgage this month? Or, you know, I'm I'm ill, but I don't really want to talk to anybody about that because I don't want to make them feel stressed about it as well. Or, you know, it could be just as, something as small as, how am I going to get to school pickup in time? I've got a meeting. How do I change that? How do I move that? I forgot to cancel that. Lots of the time we keep it bottled up and whether it's big or small, it can really start to affect us negatively. And therapy is kind of a safe space to get those things off your chest. So whether it's like coming up with plans to to organize your life a little bit better or whether it's just having someone to talk to about those things you don't want to stress out your mates or your family with. If you're thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's convenient, accessible, affordable and entirely online. You will be matched with a therapist after filling out a brief survey and you can switch therapists at any time. 
Our listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash distant. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash distant. So I thought it was a missed opportunity. I thought, I thought yeah. if you'd have put that in the hands of a really good documentary maker, that story, because at the end, I, I didn't give a fuck about the Berlin Marathon at the end. That's the point. That's, that's, that's the hard on. bit. So I, what is your end point? Yes. Not necessarily before you start, but so what? No way you want to end up the story, the story arc, right? Yeah. So what's the story arc? Do you have to carry on filming with him until he wins something? Yeah, yeah. Risk that? He wins New York a couple of times. Yeah, he won yeah. it uh, in 2017 and then in 2019 again. But, you know, do you need to get it out there? I understand that in terms of your financing. I get that. But there are so many bits in there. The bit where he says it's one of the Kenyan races that they film and he says that the whole field is talented whereas if he goes to a half marathon in Zurich maybe only 10% of the field yeah, is massively yeah. talented because yeah. it's full of idiots like me he won the and I'm not endangering him he won the the world half marathon championships in Cardiff oh well I ran in that and I didn't endanger him <laughs> that, just as an example I tell you, was in danger. That dickhead cameraman just stood in front of the race start. Yes, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. I did. There, there's about there two thousand people of take off fast, and he's yeah, right in the way of them all. It, yeah. it was it because I, I was assuming that every Kenyan is amazing at distance running, and they did say, "Oh yeah, you know, for for like a for like a fun run, people yeah. will be doing it in times that are absolutely crazy. There, that no one is yeah. no one is doing fun in half marathons in Kenya dressed as a rhinoceros." <laughs> or the fridge on their back, <laughs> dressed as a shower. <laughs> when you see like people in the West Indies and they talk about sprinting, and how, how integral that is to to life in Jamaica, and how it, mm. there's so much onus put on who's the fastest person in your in your town, in your village, whatever. You know, yeah, school sports are massive. There was that really interesting bit about Kenya when they're saying, you know, this is our this is how people know they can be successful on the world stage, so they can they can make money for their family and for their yeah. And and then the thinking behind that the the training village was the thing is when you come back to the village because you've you've made something and everyone knows that everyone wants a bit of that and you haven't you know you get put off your training so they they set this camp up so people could focus on the important thing to them which is to focus yeah. on the training I loved all that bit hmm. it was just a wasted opportunity you know and a, I don't think that, I don't think that subject's done you know we, we've seen like two or three climbing docs yeah. yes I would love to see a good doc on this yes absolutely. Yeah. There yeah. must be a doc out there. Uh, maybe one of our listeners can point us in the right direction. A history of, you know, Kenyan distance running or Ethiopian distance. How did it start? Why, why do they start doing distance yeah. running? What's the history behind it? What's the? It is interesting because now they've got some really good sprinters. So like Omanyala, who won at the Commonwealth Games in the mm. hundred. They've got some really good sort of short distance runners coming through now as well, and that's fascinating because it's just opened up athletics as a way of earning money. But I always think with when you look at the times that some of these guys are running who you've never heard of. Two, two six in your first marathon. Yeah, but you can only have so many people from each country in the Commonwealth Games, mm. or in the, in the Olympics, rather. Yeah, yeah. So there'll be sprinters in Jamaica who miss out on the national team who could quite easily yeah. come in the medals. And I, I always then wonder, why would it be bad to have eight Jamaican sprinters in the final of the Olympics. Well, that's, I mean... The, the, You're trying to find the fastest bloke in the world. Yeah, yeah fastest bloke in the world. 
what if the fastest bloke in the world just had a shit day at the trials? Yeah. 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 What if the 10 fastest 10,000 meter runners are all from Kenya? Well, then the flip side of that is is when they bring in qualifying standards. Yes. Like, like like look at the Winter Olympics when people like, you'll never see another Eddie Edwards because. No, Eric Thiel. There's no, yeah, that will never happen again. Yeah. That's part of the romance of the Olympics that was, which I liked. Mm. But now it's like we've got none of the romance. We're no longer seeing the sort of plucky amateurs. Yes. But you haven't got. But you're the, also not seeing the very best in the world. Yeah, you haven't got the pragmatism of all of you know, them. You can bring eight. Yeah, because yeah. rather than three, because you're better. The history of distance running in East Africa, yeah, would be amazing. And I don't know if that. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm absolutely gobsmacked if that doc, documentary hasn't been made because I know there are books on this topic. But if you talk to the great marathon runners who are still alive from years ago, it would. Yeah, there's there's clearly a, a well-made documentary to be made there. How nice would when you sat there with your mates, having your your meat and your rice and your yeah. Oh, how nice did that? Whatever the cake, the carb cake. Yes, I. This made from some kind of grain. Yeah, no, it's like it looked like maize or rice. Or, yeah, it looked fucking lush. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I wanted a bit of that white carb yeah. cake. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because it looked like the secret to me. That and all the training. It's also that thing of um, and the talent. <laughs> yeah. I, I like the idea of being hothoused and living in a place where you have one outcome and that outcome is to win a gold medal at a marathon or, you know, yeah. a half marathon, whatever it is. He won New York in a slower time than he did. Yes, um, he did. It was like 210 or something. 2.8, like I think it was, or 2.9. Uh, it's a bit of fucking heli, mate. But is it? Is that <laughs> yeah, the, I suppose really it, it? Yeah, I suppose that, Not was, heli it, stuff. that makes a huge difference. It was, it was really fucking heli <laughs> the day I did it, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I was they added in some fucking hills. I got the hilly course. Uh, yeah. I was great until the travel later. <laughs> After four hours, you bring the hills up, don't they? <laughs> they do, yeah. Back, they can't stop them, then. Because he did the first one in two, just over 206, and then he went That's crazy, and he won New York in, I think, 29. So bits like, like you said, the I found the water station thing really interesting. Mm. I found the map and looking where the prevailing winds are and when you can find all that interesting. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they were just, it just seemed like there were bits of stuff yeah. stuck together. And at the end, they must have thought, fucking hell, this is nowhere near the uh, as dramatic as we thought it was going to be. Yeah. Let's put some really loud thumping music yeah. on this bit, which is completely incongruous. The rest uh, of one thing I did like is it's the Berlin Marathon, one of the world's great major marathons. He and his mates come first, second, and third, <laughs> even though they've just run 26 miles in just over two hours, they're all given what looks like a yard of Erdinger. <laughs> yeah. Looks nice. Looks, looks nice, doesn't it? Glasses on my bar. Need to drink a yard of Erdinger. A yard of Erdinger. A yard of Erdinger. Have you had one already? A yard of Erdinger. Is that two yards of Erdinger? You're on the third yard. <laughs> With my Coca Pops. <laughs> <laughs> they do actually do, Erdinger do a really good non alcoholic one that they sell as being isotonic, which I love as a bit of marketing. Who does the advert? John, John Barnes. John, John Barnes is getting, <laughs> getting his non-alcoholic life. Emil Zatopek used to, he used to rehydrate after his training with Pilsner. He was like, I love beer. If you drink one and then you drink water, I think it is more hydrating. Well, it's only sugar and bloody, yeah. Think- well, look at the, one of the rugby league teams who came over from Australia 20 or 30 years ago. Hmm. And they drank, there's a thing in the paper, how much beer they drank mm. on that tour. And it was vast. Because they say it was just a, a quick way of getting in. What? A, it's a team bonding thing. Yes. But quick calories, a bit of rehydration. People say it's, a, it's diet, you know, dehydrate you. It doesn't dehydrate you. 
beer, right? If you drink a ton of it and don't drink any water, yeah, it will. Yeah, I was going to say, tell my tongue and my brain that the morning after. <laughs> yeah. I think I disagree with you, but yeah. But they say they would have a drink after every training session, after, after, after games. Not get fallen over drunk all the time. But certainly not <laughs> after training, beer. get shit-faced. <laughs> I, I used to drink like beer, like ale. And yeah. then I read, today we die little about Emil Zatterbeck. And yeah. I switched to Pilsner. And now Did every you? time I have a Pilsner, I think of him. <laughs> I think of the planet's greatest. I think he did other. I think he did other stuff as well. He did yeah, other yeah. stuff. Yeah, he wasn't just necking Pilsner. He he won the uh, Olympic gold at the marathon. It was the first time he'd ever done the uh, Everest. Uh, that that was it, wasn't it? Did, did, wasn't he up against? Didn't when you did? Did you do his book? I did do his book. It's a fantastic book. It's an unbelievable read. I seem to remember. Wasn't there a quote where he's running and he's asking the other guys if he's going too fast or not? Yeah, yeah. And, and at they're 13... all like, "This is a bit fast." And at 13 miles, I think he says something like, is this a normal pace then? And as a sort of joke, the guy who's you know coming first or second says, no, it's a bit slow. And he goes, all right, see you later. And then off he goes. And he <laughs> burns him off. And then that is that. And then he wins the gold. Burns him off. <laughs> He'd done, there was loads of very basic prep he hadn't done. Like he had shit socks. We had a blister after about mile six and all this kind of stuff. But he was just mad. I mean, it's to pick. I wanted to see a little on that on the dock. So you're there with, you know, all very, very rudimentary. Your facilities. They showed that school that he went to and you know and, Oh the bedroom. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. Like a flop house, just unbelievable. But then um all had really nice Nike spikes and Nike yeah. training kits. So I wanted to see well, how did, how did that happen? Yeah. Where's the Nike reps? How does how, how where'd you get spotted? How was that? Because you all seem to have deep, really nice running kit. Yeah. It's a small thing, but I just it's just there were loads of lots of unanswered questions, or they would start to talk about something, then then shoot off to something else. And I thought, hang on a minute, mate. Just I've seen so many, I've seen 135 documentaries now that I probably wouldn't have watched before this podcast. Yeah. So and it's the first time I've watched this and thought I can make a better documentary than this. I think even with what they've got, you can make a better. I don't think it's well put together. So I think the that's what I mean. Material, the editing's weird. Yeah. yeah. I think you could get something much better out of it than they've got. Which is weird because this is quite a well thought of documentary, and I don't quite get why. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. Actually, taking the raw footage that they already have and telling a better story. Let's remaster it. Yeah, let's do it. Let's take yeah. it apart. Let's deconstruct it. Are, are we allowed to? I'm not sure we're allowed to. Well, let's ask them. Let's tell them the documentary shit, and we want to re-edit it. <laughs> <laughs> See what they say. Just phone them up. It's fine. See what they say. Yeah. Do a full. No, I just thought it was. It, it wasn't. It wasn't shit. It was. It was. It was. It was the lovely thing. To have on the TV, yes, because Kenya looked amazing. You know, and I like watching people do sport, but I just thought as a documentary, it was it didn't didn't yeah. do enough. Right, it is. Oh, do you know what? I was going to say it's book review time, but I haven't said that we're doing a live show at all during this episode. Oh. So we are doing a live show in February <gasps> at Cardiff's International Arena. <sighs> So, go. we'd like you to come. Please come. It'd be nice. Who who are we not going to tell? <laughs> That's oh, we've got to do that. We've got to do that. What does Daddy like? Cash. <laughs> like that the next day. Yeah. Where, Mr. Bubbins. Where does my keepers bunny under the bed? <laughs> 
That would be absolutely fantastic. Was it the third? What don't we like? Bax payment. <laughs> 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 oh, dear. What will we do when our school nation schools suffer? Educate ourselves. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll do my own brain surgery. <laughs> <laughs> I'll Google it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, what is it? February the third. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, February the 3rd. February the 3rd, mate, Friday. Day before, night before the Wales against Ireland game, the Six Nations, first round of Six Nations matches. Where I'm guest of honour, the World Trip Union. <laughs> <laughs> Coach of this, right, mate? <laughs> oh, yeah. I could do that. <laughs> I know you could. I fucking could. I know. I know you could. <laughs> In your mind. I don't I don't. Know, I don't understand another 22... Uh, the uh, the drop off of the try line works yeah still working on that one but that's fine no no, no. I, I don't know how they don't score immediately from it every time I'll get someone in from the foot do that bit that's fine I'm sure Neil Jenkins got that covered anyway keep him on yeah it'd be fine it'd be fine that'll all be good I wouldn't do any worse than Pivakstan put it that way I, I just think that if you've got the best players in the country then you could just go go on lads yeah. go on express yourself you've done your yeah. video analysis with the other lot all the other backroom coaches Number one thing would be don't worry about losing. Off you go. Yeah, we've done that already. It'd yeah, be fine. you've got nothing to lose. Just genuinely put a ball on and use your skills. You can all do it. You lot played in the Georgia game. Can't get worse than that. Go on, get out there. <laughs> you were rubbish. You were rubbish. You were, you were rubbish. rubbish. You were rubbish. We don't play for you anymore. <laughs> you were all right. You were rubbish. <laughs> Imagine going around a room. He said you're rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> you were okay. They all said you were rubbish, but you were okay, I thought. You're my favourite one. No, they tell the whole squad of rugby players. Could be on their back. He's my favourite. Yeah, Steph says you're a shit. Yeah. <laughs> if you could, if you could all go out there and play like him, we'd be much better. Just immediately alienate. There are those the players who are a constant eight out of ten. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, there are they like him. And there are we'll some win. players who can veer from a one to a ten. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm very much a six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Consistent six, I am. Uh, yeah, I would say I'd be between a three and a seven. Yeah? Yeah. Well, that's good. You've got that in you. But those, but those sevens, God, I would think about them. Yeah. <laughs> I would veer wildly from nine to ten. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's good. You you would improve more if you focused on the threes for me. Yeah, yeah. It's all right. <laughs> no, you know, I, wasn't, I wasn't the most uh, skillful player on the God, pitch. No. Okay. <laughs> I was always up there. I was, I was one off. Yeah. But I fucking bust my balls all game. That's good. Yeah, Effort-wise, a 10. Yeah. I say all game. I got sent off after about half an hour. I was going to say, all game. All the game you were involved in. <laughs> yeah. for The, the parts of the game the, you could physically For influence. the bit of the game I was involved in, I, I did use to yeah. try out. And what is letting other people down? What, what does that mean? For the 20 minutes, I wasn't letting the rest of my team down by getting sent off. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? My book is kind of along the lines of... Uh, ability and effort and what it means to be part of a team. Mm-hmm. So it's called uh, Penguin Stopped Play. 11 village cricketers take on the world. Oh, class. This sounds good. So great. on Sunday, when I was coaching my daughter's football team, one of the other coaches from Caddickston Imps, Ryan, came over with this book because he listens to the pod. And he was trying to get me to lose the game, I think. So he kind of gave me a little bit of payola. So he gave me a copy of this book and it 
is really good. So it's by a guy called Harry Thompson, who I think you guys will probably have heard of. So he's a writer on the news quiz, Mary Whitehouse experience, and then sort of behind have I got news for you quite a lot as well. Uh, died in 2005. Hmm. And he's just got this wonderful style of writing. So he went to uni with Ian Hislop in Oxford. So that's how he sort of found his way into that world. But <laughs> his cricket team was called the Captain Scott 11 because Captain Scott is obviously the most famous second placer in the world. Oh, so wow. they decided to go with that as their name for their team. And they set up the team because he, so he turns up to Brasenose College in Oxford. He arrives there and he says, uh, I immediately sought out the cricket captain, a burly northerner called Phil Hanley, and made my keenness to play cricket clear. Uh, what do you do? He asked, bat or bowl? I was forced to confess that I'd never actually played the game. Uh, I, I wanted to try it. It looked fun on the telly. Seemed pretty easy. Point of fact. <laughs> seemed pretty easy. Someone lobs the ball in your direction. You whack it for miles. Piece of piss. It was, Hanley explained tartly, out of the question that I would be allowed to play, cricket at Brasenose was an extremely serious matter. Unlike other colleges, Brasenose did not even possess a second eleven, let alone a second-rate endeavours to scuff up their hallowed turf on the college square. I could practice and try and learn the game. Look, I'll tell you what I'll do as a concession. Every year we have a one-off novelty game where we wheel out a barrel of beer, everyone gets blind drunk until the players can't stand up. It's a right laugh. I'll let you play in that one. No, I, I want to play cricket, not get drunk, I protested. I can get drunk on my own time. In that case, said Hanley, you can piss off. <laughs> and, and that is when he sets up his own cricket team called the Captain Scott Eleven, and they play against other village teams. And it's, it's really interesting to sort of read. So I think Hugh Grant plays for them for a little while. So what decade is this? Uni. Sort of early 80s, so, is it? 80s. Yeah, this would be sort of early 80s. So he plays for them, Hislop plays for them. I think Hugh Dennis plays for them as well and it gets to the point where they decided to go on tours so this book is about them going to india to play matches going to south africa and eventually they stumble across the idea that they're just going to try and play on every continent in the world and hence the penguin stop play is when they play oh lovely i'm going to say arctic is it antarctic or arctic uh antarctic yeah, there we go. I'm, I'm polar, bears, polar, polar bears north, penguins south. That does sound like a it's right a, love. It, and it's really good. It's really well written. And it's one of those games, cricket. I've played a little bit of cricket, and I've played this sort of level of cricket, like pick-up cricket, like, you know, not very good cricket. Yeah. Because I can play it, and it's the only sport I've played where I don't really mind if I lose. Absolutely. And I was very much on that. I know it sounds daft, but I don't care. It's just fun to be out there having a run around and yeah. laugh with your mates. But even like if it's six or so football, I would get pissed off with losing. Veteran rugby, I get pissed off. So the interesting bit with this is that the, t the team eventually splinters into two where there are the blokes who don't give a fuck if they win and don't try as a result. I mean, they'd rather lose in a not amusing way, but in a sort of noble way. And then uh, Harry and his mates who want to put in all the effort but know their shit. Yeah, very, so they're, very they're not, different they're not mindsets, win. actually. Exactly. Yeah. And it's a really interesting sort of divide that happens in the club as well. And it sort of filters into their tours then as well where the ones who want to be 
uh, on the piss, but are quite good, but will throw the game away. They want to stay in the nice hotels, and the ones who are a bit shit but want an experience are staying in the shittier hotels. It's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. I love it. I would never deliberately throw a game or go oh, give a, or, or, let, or let someone win. But I, yeah. did, I didn't. I would try in cricket, but I didn't mind if I lost. I don't think there's a nobility in losing from a winning position. I think mm. that, you know, if, if you are, sh- and I am shit at cricket. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I wish I was better. I am shit. Let's all play cricket next summer. Yeah. Let's all go have a knock summer. It'd just be fun to do. It would be fun. So long as, there, so long as there are other like-minded people who when the ball's in the air and I'm underneath it will know that I would say 12 times out of 10, <laughs> I'm not only going to drop it, but also injure myself. Yeah, yeah. Break your finger process. and then drop it. Just let it drop. Maybe break my face. Oh. I don't know. Ow. Just sidestep it. We'll get out of the way of it. No, but then that's that's the other attitude of no, no. I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna go for the catch. Oh, well, even better. And I'm gonna be fully committed to the catch. I'm not gonna make the catch, and I'm all right with that. So long as everyone else on the eleven is all right with that, then they're my people. Yeah, you're gung ho. Yeah, absolutely. And same with batting. The sort of person who've been killed within seconds of the song. <laughs> oh, in, in moments, I would say, of going over hey! the top. <laughs> I, I think I either would have survived the entire war or been dead on day one. <laughs> yeah. And I've never been able to work out which one it is, but it's—I certainly wouldn't have died like in 1943. I'd have been <laughs> died in—I'd have died in September 39, or made it all the way through. Right, right start the phony war. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I'd have fallen off a step or something. I tripped over something and bayoneted myself. Got gangrene and died. <laughs> Got into a fight with the home guard. <laughs> you remember the home ow, guard? Ow! <laughs> ow! What's that is doing? He's scrapping with that pensioner. <laughs> I'd lose. <laughs> yeah, God, he's Don't tell him, James. He's battered. He's been battered. Look at that. Yeah, so it's called uh, Penguin Stop Play, and it's very much my ethos. That sounds right on my alley, that does, mate. It's sort of comparable stuff is probably sort of the Tony Hawk kind of writing or Danny Wallace's sort of stuff. It's that kind of feel to the writing. But you know what I find? And this is a, this is a sweeping generalisation. Okay, good. Purely anecdotal. Big fan of sweeping generalisations. Is that... Cricket is quite a posh boy sport. Yes. On the whole. Not obviously not in India, and that is, it's that everyone plays it, but I mean here. But the posh people I've met in cricket are far less. Oh, most of them all right. Than yes. the posh people you meet in rugby. A hundred percent. No agree. one's ever done a shit in a pint at no. a cricket match that I've been at. There's none of that stupid laddish bollocks with cricket. They're, 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 they're nice posh. All the yes. cricketers I've met are nice posh. No, I 100% agree with you. Yeah, nice posh, and that's why there's nothing jarring about the fact. I that can imagine Boris possible. Johnson being in the being in the rugby team at this prep school. Yes, absolutely, not the yeah, cricket yeah. team. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, hundred percent. He'll want to play the rugby in the wall yeah. game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cricketers don't be an ass. Yes. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> Alice James's autobiography. Cricketers don't drink piss. <laughs> the second album from Alice James. <laughs> yeah. We're drunk, but we're not cunts, was the first yeah. one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Cricketers don't drink piss. <laughs>